0: Hey, what do you say? Be careful, because Mars Attacks. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks.
1: This is Chris
2: from In This Moment, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, everyone, this is Dave Menichetti from YNT, and you're listening right now to Mars Attacks.
0: How you doing? This is Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot, letting you know that Victor rocks on Mars Attacks Radio. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Kiske talking, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Filter, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Tim Ripper-Owens. You are listening to Mars Attacks. Get out of
2: my face. This is Ernie C, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey there, this is... Joey Vera from Armored Saints, and you are listening to Mars Attacks.
1: Hey everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush, and you're cranking it up on
0: Mars Attacks.
1: Let's do it! Hey all, here's Andreas Kisser from Sepultura and De La Tierra, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Enjoy.
2: Hey, Logan Mader here from Once Human, you're listening to Mars Attacks.
1: Welcome one and all to episode 115 of the Mars Attacks Podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and we are back once again this week with another very cool interview. It was a great pleasure for me to interview Logan Mater, formerly of Machine Head. Uh, he's got a new project that is coming out called Once Human, which sounds really, really cool, um, not just saying that to blow any smoke up anyone's ass. Really enjoy the album. Uh, it's interesting because it has a little of everything. You know, there, there's some typical stuff that you know you've heard from Logan in the past from his Machine Head days. Uh, you've also got stuff where uh, it may sound like Arch Enemy. Obviously, there, there's there's going to be that direct correlation because it's a, a female singer. Um, doing the whole growling thing, you know, the guttural vocals. So there's going to be that, you know, arch enemy connection, of course. But um, beyond that, the album isn't one dimensional because, you know, their lead singer, Lauren Hart. She does a lot of different singing styles throughout the album where there are things that are guttural throughout one track and then there's stuff where she's throwing in clean vocals as well. So the art of you know doing an entire album that's worthwhile listening to is definitely not lost on this first release, this upcoming release because it's coming out September 4th by Once Human. The album is called... The Life I Remember, so we will have a interview during this episode uh, with Logan. This has been a very busy week for me when it comes to interviewing people for the podcast. Um, I was lucky enough to hook up with Logan, also hooked up with our good friend Bob Nalbandian from uh, Inside Metal, the documentary series. Uh, he's also done, you know, the Roadrunner Records podcast in the past, uh, the Skull Sessions Shockwaves podcast for hard radio there, um, Heavy Metal Couch, from, if I remember correctly as well. Bob is a great guest. We always end up talking for a very long time off air, <laughs> so it's very cool catching up with Bob. Uh, I talked to him once every few months, and he's an old member of the Cast Iron Ring. And um, we we all still get along well, and uh, you know we have different people that were part of that network of podcasts that do jump on here from time to time, and it's always fun to talk to Bob or to Rock from Radioactive Metal or Scott from uh, Focus on Metal. I was speaking to Daniel from Wiki Metal down in Brazil a little bit this week as well. Uh, got to speak to. Andreas Kisser yesterday, man, was a was really cool. Um, got to speak to him for uh, not only a Sepultura album that will be part of the Classic Album series, but got to talk to him about Scorpions, Anthrax, and Sick of It All. So it was really cool, man, um, to talk to him and, and hear him open up and talk about all these different bands and uh, you know there are a lot of parallels I think especially between Sepultura and Anthrax and, and I mentioned this to them you know with both bands having somewhat of an or- unorthodox approach to metal and different things that they brought to metal where they changed the game you know Sepultura obviously bringing that whole tribal feel to um, to metal uh, and that started off with a rise and there was a little bit more of that on Chaos AD and a shit ton more on Roots, obviously. So um, there's that. Uh, There's also, you know, Anthrax brought the the rap factor that so many other bands copied afterwards, you know, if you really look at it and uh, you have the lead singer switch. So I brought it up and, you know, I asked him, you know, if he could appreciate the situation that Anthrax went through as well. And, uh, you guys will find out in the month of September I definitely have something in the works uh, that is special I've been mentioning this the last few episodes and it's pretty certain that it will happen uh, until I have everything put together I don't want to jinx things but I'm trying to put something very special together to commemorate the sixth anniversary of the podcast Uh Due to other issues outside of the podcast, you know, things had to ramp down there for a little bit, but, you know, man, it feels like full speed ahead now, trying to do at least three three shows a month, if not more, and, um, you know, I'm loving getting back to doing these interviews, and, and I think any type of, you know, issue where uh, maybe self-confidence or whatever, thinking that I couldn't compete with others because... You know, they were dealing with people that I can't get a hold of or, or whatever, but, you know, fuck it, <laughs> you know, basically, because, you know, I'm still talking about music. I'm still talking about metal. I'm still bringing, you know, other aspects, other flavors to the mix, and there's no reason why you can't listen to what I do and what others do as well, and I hope that people still support Talking Metal. I hope people still support Mitch Lafon and... um you know Mark and Mitch both still do great shows with their with their regular shows and with metal raps and I still listen to all that stuff and I listen to as much that I can from other shows also. So uh trying to get back in the groove of things difficult with two very young kids um you know so many things on the back burner as a result but um, I don't want to blame anything and I don't want to blame anyone and I'm just trying to get back into the game to, you know, the spot where I was at before things got sort of dicey there and and there were long pauses and whatnot and I hope you guys are enjoying what I'm bringing to the table. Um, since I had Logan on, you know, Logan was a producer or is a producer, I should say, was in Machine Head and, hmm, I had him comment on two different albums for the Classic Album Series. Um, you'll hear that shortly. So, uh, there you go. I also got to speak to Carmine a Uh Spoke to him about two albums that, you know, I would figure that he would have something to say in. And another album that sort of threw me for a loop. A 90s album that I, you know, you wouldn't expect just because of... Just some of the attitudes and some of the different, some of the different people, you know, within hard rock and metal. Just different things that they've said over the years about, you know, the transition from the eighties to the nineties. And he had a a very interesting look on things uh, with regards to an album. That was very cool to talk to him about. So there you go. Uh, what else? Oh, in late yesterday, one of my final interviews was with uh, Bobby Gustafson, the former guitarist of Overkill, the guitarist that recorded their first four uh, full-length albums plus all the EPs that they did early on, and was very, very interesting. Hmm, was not expecting things to turn out the way that they did. Bobby was great with me. But there's definitely a ton of things that he mentioned that I wasn't expecting. But, you know, when you're dealing with bands, you're dealing with former members, you're dealing with bands that are still around, issues that come up or issues that are discussed are not uncommon. So what he mentioned, although I wasn't expecting it, it isn't that unexpected to hear from a band, you know. So uh, definitely eye-opening. And uh, Bobby's got a new band, which is called Satan's Taint, without an apostrophe. I was trying to look them up, and I couldn't find them because I was adding the apostrophes. So there you go. Um, What else do we have going on? Um, Well, obviously, he was on not only to talk about Satan's Taint, but to talk about an overkill album for the classic album series as well. So... Uh, maybe with all this talk of the classic album series, some of you were putting two to plus t- two plus two together, that is. And uh, yeah, just think about that and think about everything else that I've talked about. So there you go. Uh, what else do we have going on? want to remind you guys to go to Facebook and like us. I have a, a ton of followers on Twitter, which is awesome and cool, but I want to bring that same presence to Facebook, man. Go over hit like uh, and help spread the word. I would say Google plus but from what I'm reading uh Google may be doing away with that service shortly uh interesting because Google you know gets wound up because of the competition does certain things and a lot of times and ends up dumping things because you know they were sort of late to the dance and what they put forward isn't as popular as what others have done and you know they put G+ or Google+ together to compete with Facebook and and i guess they figured since Facebook took over for MySpace that you know there was a possibility to do the same with with Google+ it just never ended up happening and um, you know the the rumblings with all the the tech sheets. A lot of times you read, you know, the social media network that everyone has and no one uses. So it's unfortunate. Um, I've set up a, a bunch of different things that I will be discussing shortly uh, on Google Plus, but uh, we'll see. Google Plus, Facebook, and we have the Twitter, which is Mars Aries two thousand and five. Um, I've toyed with changing that to make it something like Mars attacks radio, but unfortunately Mars attacks is taken and you know, it just doesn't make sense to change it at the moment. You guys do know those that are longtime listeners that you can go to the homepage of Mars attacks, com, and you can always, um, click on all of the links that you want all the social media links, I should say. They're there on the right-hand side of the homepage. And I keep talking about the Classic Albums column. People that are new to this, people that are jumping on this interview because of Logan Mater. Um, just, um, you know, if you're interested to find out what that's all about, click on Classic Albums column and find... Previous episodes, find an index with everyone that has been involved from the start, people that have yet to appear that will appear also. And basically, it is an album series, an album's focus piece, where we talk about a specific album that has um, influenced and helped move forward the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. So there you go. Uh, let's get into some music, since we have Logan Mater on, and, you know, we always talk about good friends that are good to the show, we always like to promote them, and we talked about Angela sepatra Angela Sapatra, excuse me, the last time around, I don't want them to become <laughs> my ace, really, like uh, some of you... Um, may know what i'm referring to uh you know wink wink there it's the law of the jungle if you've got the hunger but anyway um yeah Angelica Patrida, they covered the machine head track old for a uh, compilation album that was uh, to commemorate the 20th anniversary if i'm not mistaken of a magazine here in spain and uh this is it this is their cover let's check it out Angela Sepatrida with oh A Little Old by Angelus Apatrida, originally coming off of Bird My Eyes by Machine Head. Done there by Angelus Apatrida. Want to send, um, you know, the, the good old proverbial get well to my good friend and former guitar teacher, uh, David from Angelus Apatrida, who had another accident on a two wheeled vehicle and. Um, has dislocated or sprained his finger, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, we'll have an interesting time playing at a festival this weekend without being able to use his pinky. always remember Brian May talking about how he had to develop his pinky um, or how he did during that first Queen tour. And uh, it was the first thing that came to mind when I saw the pictures. So really enjoying the hell out of the new album by Refused, one of my favorite albums to have come out this year, and let's jump into the track that they put out early on, a lot of you may have heard this already, but man, it's got so many elements from their past, um, from what they did before breaking up, and uh, I really, really dig this song, it is called Electra, it is off of the album Freedom, and this is Refused we <laughs> Little refused coming off of the album Freedom. Check that album out. Remember, support the bands you love. Go out and pick up their albums. Uh, go to iTunes or Amazon, or you know, we throw links up underneath the um, uh, the show notes here, and uh, we have links to Fye or. Uh, CD Universe or the Rakuten stores. Uh, it really depends on who's got what available. We'll throw the links up. and uh, What you're doing is helping the band out, and you're also helping the show out as well because we end up getting a small kickback uh, based upon your purchase there. So You don't pay anything else, and we get a lead per se. So There you have it. We're going to jump into a track by Once Human coming off of The forthcoming album, the life, the life I remember. Excuse me, almost said the life that remains. For some reason, the life I remember. The name of this track is "You Cunt." They're about to release a video for this track, and let's check it out. And right after, we will jump right into the interview with Logan Mater. That. How do you feel being a producer actually has helped you become a better musician
2: um, well' it's, uh, it's made me more well-rounded and more self-sufficient for one. you know I, took, I started this project, and knowing that I was a one-man army as far as like delivering an album in uh, all the production aspects of it uh, and just being a producer i've i've done a lot of co-writing with artists that i work with and i've done a lot of creative producing where i you know i try to make a song better than what it already is through arrangement ideas and upgrading it creatively so all of that lends itself to becoming a better songwriter which i guess makes you a better musician at the end of the day yeah
1: do you find it more difficult to become objective with your own material as opposed to working with another band's material?
2: Hmm. No, I didn't find problems with objectivity, but uh in the beginning with human, I was searching for the identity and what I did is I fell back on my my intuition and my roots of metal guitar player kid that I've still have it in my soul, and that's, you know, uh, that's where I started, that's where my true passion is the strongest. And so, I just sort of fell back on the autopilot intuition, heavy metal guy that I am. And that's what came out. It's a passion project more than anything.
1: That's interesting that you bring that up, because that sort of comes in in hand-in-hand with the next question. You're saying that initially you, you know, were a big uh, metal guitarist, um, or at least that's what you aspired to be, did you ever think back then when you started out, hey, you know, I want to produce one day, or did you sort of just fall back into that?
2: Well, I I did realize that I wanted to be a producer and learn engineering a long time ago. It was one of the things sure. I felt when I left Machine Head that I wanted to pursue. I wanted to diversify and explore all these other areas of the music industry, uh, behind the scenes, from creative aspects and technical, as well as, you know, talent development, and it it all led to all these different branches of music, and I ended up scoring some movies, I'd done a lot of music for visual media, like uh, movie trailers and TV shows, Uh, I did half of the soundtrack for a Konami video game called Metal Gear Rising in 2013, and I wanted to just, yeah, I wanted to explore all of these branches. um, And that's what I did, starting around the year 2000.
1: Was there one specific thing, a specific album, or, or even a producer that inspired you to want to venture out that way? Or did you just keep wanting to just build upon what you already had worked on?
2: Well, it, I think it really started when I was in the studio making albums with Machine Head. That whole experience was, it really spoke to me, and I I, I loved that part of being in a band. That From the creative process into the production of, in the studio, and and I was drawn to it then. I really enjoyed that part. I've I even felt like that part of being in a band was half of it, and the other half was being on stage and touring and seeing the world, and you know, all the adrenaline and all the fun. But the other half was like, it was equally as important to me, the studio side and the creative side. So it felt like it, it was calling me from the beginning.
1: From reading the bio, it really seems that Once Human almost came about by accident. Um, did you ever have in the back of your mind, you know, I really want to put another band together again to see what I can do? Or... Did that just sort of come to mind when you started working with Lorne?
2: Yeah, it really did when I started falling in love with the identity of this band and what it meant to me and how personal it became creatively. But there is something that happened right recently before that that made me want to feel like uh, playing again after not thinking about that for many years. Like I was really happy just in the studio and doing my thing that I do as behind-the-scenes producer guy and talent development and management and composer, all these things. Um, it was like at the Golden God Awards in 2013. I was hanging out there and Ivan Moody from Five Finger Death Punch came up to me and he's, he's a friend of mine. I've known him for a long time. I worked on their first album and uh, he just, out of the blue, says, Logan, I want to do a side project and I want you to be the guitar player and I want, you know, to write music with you and do a side project in between like between five finger death punch business and I was like really I, I was it was really unexpected and I was like I didn't even really respond at the, in the moment I was like I want to think about that that's really interesting and I'm flattered and this and that and uh so I thought about it for a couple of days and and uh, was like yeah well I, I think I should do that that sounds like a cool opportunity and that was like yeah I want I want to play again I do miss it so I was like, yeah, let's do this, Ivan. And he was like, fuck yeah, let's do this. And so uh, he was, obviously, he's extremely busy. And at that point, he was right in the near the beginning or the middle of their double album tour cycle that went on for like, I don't know, three, almost three years, two and a half years or something. So he's really busy, but I started writing some songs. And then John Moyer from Disturbed was enlisted by Ivan as well to be a part of it. So I, I met john and we got together and wrote some music together for for the project and uh it was really cool music and ivan loved it and then but when it came down to actually bringing him in the studio to set time aside to record and like further develop the music side of this idea he just really didn't have enough time so and it became clear like this is if this thing ever happens it's going to take a long time to get off the ground and we just all thought you know it's it's all good. Let's, uh, let's let it go. And, uh, so it, it just didn't happen cause he was just too busy. And then he's got family it, when he's, when he is having a little, having a little break from tour, you know, there's, there's family things to deal with. And so I was like, I was disappointed cause I was excited about it, you know? So then, then there I was left holding my guitar with blue balls. <laughs> I was like ready to go. And then, <laughs> you know stop so that was like i mean it was a little bit disappointing and i i was like feeling unsatisfied because i in my mind i had made that commitment to to do that but i mean there's no hard feelings or anything i actually wrote some cool songs with john and with another guy too and one of them ended up getting reworked and sort of rewritten to some extent uh, for butcher babies because i just produced their newest album and that song is now and has morphed into a butcher baby song and it's going to be the first like radio single that they go to active rock radio with so uh, from the from a creative standpoint like some good music came out of that and also working with John Moyer from Disturb I, I met a cool you know a cool collaborator who became my friend and i think he's an awesome dude and we made some cool music together so it wasn't like a waste of time but still, I was standing there, like, you know, like, fuck, I wanted to do this, and now I'm not doing it. So then I met Lauren shortly after that, and we started making this music, and I didn't put two and two together immediately, but after, like, the second song that Lauren and I wrote together, then I was starting to feel, like, this this uh, inspiration and excitement about what the music we were making, and I felt like that uh, that's I should be the guitar player in this band, and it shouldn't just be a production deal like it started out as. And um, it can be my, you know, my baby all the way through. And uh, so then I, from that point, I was committed to, to this, and now it's turned into uh, something real. and The record's coming out September 4th. We're going on tour with Fear Factory main support, starting on August 23rd here in the, the U.S. It's like a 20-date tour, 18 or 20 dates. And uh, we just did our first music video, and it's all, like, you know, coming together.
1: Very cool. Um, As far as the material that appears on The Life I Remember, uh, was this all written after you met Lauren, or did you have any riffs or anything that you had stockpiled that you brought in uh, to work on the project as well?
2: It was all written together with her and I from the ground up. I would say there was one riff that was written prior that I used in the song Time of the Disease, the first song we wrote, but everything else was from the ground up, just her and I.
1: And it's obvious after you listen to the album that she uses multiple voices, uh, sometimes within the same song, sometimes varying from one song to another. Whose idea was it to work with multiple vocal styles? Is that something that you wanted to bring out of her, uh, or is that something that she already brought to the table when she first started working with you?
2: Well, she came to me just as a guitar player. I, tu- I turned her. I said, "You need to be the, the lead vocalist." That's just what I, I saw in her character, and I heard she came in with this gr- her main growling voice. Right which is her, that, that's what she came in with. Um, but then I, I made her sing and I made her explore some, you know, melodic singing styles. She was reluctant about that at first, but I, I felt like it was in there and we pulled it out. And so that, that part of, of her vocal style is new to her. Um, yeah, but the growling, her brutal screaming thing, that's that's just a part of her. She's, you know, had that with her, I guess,
1: all her life. <laughs> gotcha okay and as far as the bass player and the drummer that join you on the album it really seems like you handpicked players that you really trusted uh not only in the studio but people that were actually going to form part of you know a band with you yeah what can you tell us about them
2: well with jamie and the bass player i knew that he would come through in the studio he you know he played his bass tracks on the right he didn't write any he actually wrote one riff on the album um he's a developing writer but he yeah, he's a a really cool guy dedicated and uh he's a friend of mine and I knew that having him in the band was a good choice because you know he's talented and we get along and he's ready to go on this adventure <laughs> as a passion project like we all are at the beginning because there's no, like there's no money to offer anybody. And hopefully it turns into something like that. But ultimately it's like we have to invest our time on spec as a new band in a genre of the music industry that's usually considered the least profitable in a music industry that's considered to be falling apart. <laughs> and uh, But still, I don't care. This, you know, it's like I'm still doing it. And it's going to work one way or another. So yeah, Damien's in it to win it with us. And that's hard to find in L.A. or anywhere, to find someone who's good enough to be in a band like this and actually be committed on spec, not expecting to get an immediate paycheck because none of us are making any money off this band right now. We have to do, but, but we're resourceful people. Like I produce music to make money and mix and stuff. And Damien's actually a mixer and an engineer, as well that's how I met him he moved here from France to work in my studio as my assistant and like intern and uh he's been developing his skills and his resume quite nicely he recently worked on the new Fair factory album as an engineer and he mixed a live dvd for dragon force recently the one that's just coming out right now and then some other independent projects where he's done really well so he's uh He's a hard, you know, definitely a a permanent part of this band. And then Ralph Alexander is a drummer. He's just like my favorite drummer around L.A. I found him at MI a few years ago, and I've worked with him on some sessions, and uh, he's just a really talented drummer, so it was my first choice to use for this album. But as it turns out, he's not going to be able to do any touring with us, at least on this cycle, because he got this crazy gig that just like pays him tons of money and it's too good to walk away from. And I totally understand that he can't, I can't compete with that on a financial scale, but uh, I found a new drummer who's just as good as Ralph, (laughs) maybe even better. Like, but uh, he's uh, this kid named Dylan Trollope and he's in the band now. He's going on tour with us and most likely he'll record the next record with us and hopefully he'll be here forever. But he's, definitely like in it to win it he's got the ability to get on the bus and go tour with us knowing that we're not gonna you know that we're sort of spending money before we make any money and so i feel good about this kid uh yeah he's amazing so I've, i've had a good ability through my network to find new talent around l.a the world, uh, just through word of mouth in my networks, and in in doing production deals, I've gotten pretty good at like identifying all the attributes of a good player for whatever it is they do. Um, so yeah, he fits the bill. He's performing in our music video, and he's in the band now, and he'll be on tour with us for this cycle and hopefully forever. So yeah, the, yeah. So I'm like a little bit weird about, yeah, we we'll put this band together and then now the drummer's not there. It's like, whatever. It's like, he's a drummer. He's a great drummer. He played on the record. Ultimately, the band as a core, creatively speaking, is Lauren and I. Mm-hmm. So as long as that doesn't change, this thing will go on forever. Um, and then I got another guitar player for live and hopefully for future forever and uh, because of when we wrote this record I just like two guitar player metal bands and I've always been in <clears throat> with Machine Head it's you know it's a two guitar player band you can harmonize you can have two different solo styles and I wanted like a really sick shredder style for some of our solos and then my solo style is kind of less shreddy but more like you know thematic storytelling uh, melodic, soulful style of solos. So on the album, there's I do half of the guitar solos, and then I hired Bill Hudson during the production to do the other half of the solos. He did like six solos on the record. Uh, Bill Hudson's like one of my favorite guitar players. Again, I would have liked to have him in the band at the beginning, but he's, uh, he's in like, I don't know how many bands, but he plays guitar for a living, and he's a session player and he goes on tour like constantly with whatever band that will pay him to go on tour because that's all he does. So he's one of those that's very typical in LA. Like they can't commit to a developing project that doesn't pay their rent. And that's totally understandable. He did some great solos on my album and he's uh, a good friend and ally. Um, but so the guitar player that I got to be in the band. There's a guy named Skyler Howren. I actually met him through Ralph Alexander. And uh, so Skyler, he's our other guitar player. And when I was auditioning people for this uh, position, they had to be able to play Bill Hudson's solos that are on our album, and they're pretty sick and shreddy. And so he totally pulls that off, and he's a cool guy, good energy. Again, he's, ready to, he's a younger guy, and he's ready to put in the work on spec and know that if, if, and when this project wins, then everybody wins. But, you know, as opposed to a lot of the like eligible players around LA and it's totally understandable. I don't have anything against it. It's like a fact of reality. It's like experienced players that are trying to be professional or are professional. They, they need to, they can't just work for free and I'm not asking people to work for free. I split, you know, I split this thing up like a real band. But there's just no revenue streams as of yet. So it's like, you know, it's like a real band that starts and uh, you know, everybody wins when the project wins and we all kind of work together towards the same goals.
1: You touched upon this a few times, so you already are mentally set for even working on a a second album right now you the 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 first album isn't out yet, but you're mentally already prepared to move forward into the future and let this uh band live on for as much as it can basically
2: yeah absolutely yeah i'm I'm gonna do it I have a three album deal with air music right now, and I plan on doing at least that if you know if we can go beyond that i would i would love it I'll keep going. I'll be writing music on tour with a laptop with a Pro Tools rig on the bus or wherever in the hotel rooms. and um, I, I'm thinking about it already a little bit creatively. Like I get riffs out of thin air in my head, and I just put them in my phone and I keep them all. And, um, I get rhythmic ideas and yeah, as far as where this goes. Next album, probably Skylar will be contributing to some of the writing and Damien hopefully will be contributing as well and and my drummer Dylan is a sick guitar player also so uh, I think the second record can have some nice evolution with more more cooks in the creative kitchen yeah I think so I think it's going to work really well and and it'll evolve nicely and continue to grow and whatever it becomes we don't know yet.
1: At any point in time, did you feel that there would be pressure just because the the machine head um, uh, past always seems to follow you?
2: Well, the machine head past for the most part it follows me in a good way. It's like I was lucky that was my first band, and I was a co founding member and a co writer on the first two albums. And luckily, that like those two that band had a great a deal of credibility and those albums that I've participated in are still after 20 years considered to be legit, awesome albums. So that's, that's a part of me. And so, um, it's only good things there. And I'm, uh, yeah, the pressure, I mean, I I work well under pressure and I love it. I love the fact that it's there. And at one point when I said I'm doing this record and I got really inspired and I, I got excited and I was like, you know that thing where you have your whole life to write your first album?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like most bands do. Uh, I thought, maybe I can actually get that again. <laughs> um, because no one knows about it and no one's waiting for it. would get to the secret while I was working on it. So, in that respect, it's like my first album and I can take as long as I want to write it. But then when I got the deal offer, I decided I want the record to come out in 2015, which means the pressure's on. i got to put the pedal to the metal. i got to finish writing this Record and deliver it, and all these other things that are involved with that because I'm the, the manager of the project as well. So, um, yeah, it gets fucking stressful and a little bit overwhelming at times to juggle all of my things that I do and make this thing happen and give it the attention that it deserves. But, uh, like I said, I work well under pressure and I pulled it off <laughs> for now. <laughs>
1: obviously while you're doing this, you probably aren't going to be able to do as much production work as you have in the past. Are there any bands out there that you'd still love to produce? Is there any type of like dream job for you to say, you know what? I, my goal as a producer would be to produce an album by this band. Metallica. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'd like to produce Metallica. Yeah. I, I've always said that, like, you know, why not reach for the stars? Um, and then I heard that Joey Sturgis is doing their new record, which means like, wow, that's not—it's not exactly an unrealistic goal for someone like me to have. Um, I'm producing a record actually starting August third for a new developing band, and I'm mixing something else. And then, as I prepare to go on this tour at the same time, when I get back from the tour, I've got uh, a production thing for a band that everyone knows and I'm excited to work on but I'm not supposed to talk about it yet and then hopefully I'll get Once Human over to Europe before the end of the year but yeah I, I might produce a little bit less as far as full production but mixing and composing and artist management and all the other things that I do I don't think it's going to slow down at all I might not produce as many albums per year probably mm-hmm. won't because, because of I can't do that when I'm on tour But um, I'm not going to stop. I can do it all, and uh, I will.
1: Gotcha. Okay. And is there any band that's asked you to produce or mix one of their albums that surprised you?
2: I haven't really. I haven't really. I'm trying to think. Because, you know, it it all kind of, it's like a, branches of a tree, I guess, like, one thing leads to another, and you kind of see that, well, here's an example, like, Monty Connor put me on that, or, that Roadrunner United, that's one of the mixers for one of the songs, which led me to working with Soulfly. Okay, here's one I didn't expect to work with. It's Max Cavalera and Soulfly. Because they fired me from Soulfly back in 1998. And right. uh, I hadn't talked to him for six or seven years. And the next thing you know, Monty's like, I want you to go in the studio with Soulfly and do the track for this Metal Hammer compilation. And I was like, fuck yeah. And it was like, awesome. And that went, went really well, that one song. So the next thing you know, the producing Cavalera Conspiracy for Max with Igor, the first record, and then Joseph Duplantier from Gojira was the bass player on that project. So I met him and bonded with him during that project. And next thing you know, I'm mixing and recording The Way of All Flesh for Gojira. And so they, these things all kind of lead. I guess for that one trigger point, that that was really unexpected to work with Max as a producer. Not that we had bad blood, but they, you know, I was in the band in, in Soulfly, and then I got fired because I was... Misbehaving, <laughs> I was just a little bit out of my mind back then, partying a lot, and then my friend Lynn Straight passed away, and that really fucked with me and got me depressed, and I started spiraling down, the alcohol and some drug kind of hole. It was bad, and Soulfly was like, "You're bad, go away. You can't be that <laughs> anymore." I was like, "Yeah, I guess you're right." But then I got sober and I turned into a producer. Next thing you know, I'm producing Max Cavallera, who fired me. How do you like that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome uh,
2: yeah
1: i have a, a few uh questions that fans had sent to me so before when you said that you um go on long explanations and whatnot mm-hmm. it's perfectly fine <laughs> people came out of the woodworks when i said i'm interviewing um logan Mader, Who who wants to you know ask him a question so a bunch of people sent me some things and and this is what i felt was sort of the the best of the questions that were sent along. The first question is, would you have liked medication to have lasted longer?
2: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I would have liked it to last longer, I think. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I put the band together and we made a record and it didn't last as long as any of us wanted it to. Um, you know I really don't want to I don't really want to go into that it's just like it did. yeah that was a trend I'll say from my point of view I'm not going to speak about anybody else in the band but from my point of view it was a transitional period of my life from a personal standpoint going from artist to producer and also getting my fucking head together and getting healthy getting sober like medication the band wasn't jiving with that path I was on yeah medication wanted to get high as fuck all the time and that's the band was born out of you know that sort of lifestyle and I was changing my lifestyle and uh tra- transitioning and transforming into the more grown-up slogan, i guess that i mean so that's why it didn't last that's just
1: why it didn't last long okay yeah. and the second question yeah. is as a producer what do you think today's bands are missing
2: uh, well that's quite a general question um uh, one thing I hear that I feel is missing in a lot of metal productions is like live on tracks and and for people that don't know most most people know this but like a lot of metal records are using programmed drums or at least like most of the drum kit is replaced by samples that are not actually like the drummer hitting something with a stick or hitting it with his pedals, and uh, I think that it, some records that use programmed drums are lacking a bit of a soul, and that human element that has subtleties and dynamics that only can be performed by a human drummer that knows what they're doing so on the new Once Human album, there's no drum samples. It's 100% acoustic, organic, live drums. And I feel like it's something that's... uh, It's a subtle thing, but I feel it. I can feel the human energy there. And I like the way it sounds, and it's real. So I did that. Because if that's, you know... (laughs) If I feel like that's lacking in the... I mean, most of the records I do, I use samples, at least some, to enhance the kick drum, or maybe the snare needs help, so I'll add a snare sample in there too but with this record and even with the Butcher Babies album I did recently it's 100% organic drums no samples at all on it and I think there's not a lot of records that are out right now that that can say that so yeah that's it I mean, as far as what else is missing I don't know what else is missing there's so many records coming out every week in metal and rock and it's like there's a lot of good music out there And it's easy to find.
1: Here's another question that was sent in. Uh, many people feel that your exit from Machine Head caused the band to lose a big part of their unique sound. Would you agree with that?
2: Um I guess to some extent that (laughs) the like the two racks the the uh, two records that followed after I left with the, the Supercharger and the Burning Red. I don't know. I can't answer that. Who knows what it would have been like if I, if I was still there or if I left. Ultimately, Rob Flynn is the leader of that band, and he's the creative head and always has been. I did contribute some unique riffs to the first two albums, but it's Rob's band and where he was really the majority of creativity from the beginning, and he became more so that along the way and look at what they've evolved into now it's like you know I don't know I really don't know but anyway uh Rob Flynn and I are friends these days and have been for many years I don't know if some people don't know that because there was like a lot of friction when I left but like maybe four or five years after that he called me out of the blue and it was like I just wanted to call you and let you know that I'm not mad at you anymore that's it. He just called to tell me that. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. Good. And we just kind of <laughs> like talked a little bit. It makes you know, like the positive, the positivity tends to resonate longer than a negativity. If you can let go of the negativity, you know, this the good remains and can be appreciated and I was really happy that he called me and said that and then we've been friends ever since and I'll go hang out with them and when they come to LA he invites me to the shows and um, we even played on stage together in two thousand six at the Roadrunner United show in New York. Yeah. So and I'm I'm really impressed with the their evolution as a as a band into you know, like reach new peaks after so many years. Like when when the blackening came out, and it just blew the fuck up, and they were like reinvented and um, just where they are, they've carved out a place in the world of metal as like a real iconic, legit, uh, timeless metal band. And so I think that would have happened either way with Rob, It was you know it's Rob's brainchild, and he's taken it where it is today, and he started it, and he's finishing it. So the question about, did it change the band sound when I left, I think we'll never know. But I think it doesn't matter. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I guess maybe there are so many people that are hung up with... Um, I mean, I honestly think that the albums after you left uh, probably get such a bad rap because of the image more than anything else that, than the actual material there. So people probably want to tie the two together. Oh, well, Logan left, and, and they decide to wear jumpsuits all of a sudden. So Yeah, if I, know, I was that's... still there,
2: I probably would, would have been right along for the ride with, with that whole thing that was happening there. I can't tell you yeah, you know, because like I said, it's, uh, it, you know, it's Rob Spann, and he's the leader, and whatever whatever really happens, ultimately, it's going to go through him and have his approval. And, so, yeah, I
1: don't know. And the last question, do you think that you've had an influence on other players, and has it ever surprised you to have other known musicians come up to you and say that you have been an influence?
2: Yeah, it definitely surprises me when people say things like that, and I've heard it a few times. I've heard younger musicians that are are having success now talk about how they grew up being inspired by my guitar playing, and I've heard, you know, like, some nice compliments and, and like that that just makes you feel good, you know um am I supposed to name specifics? I don't really want to, but yeah i've I've heard it, and it it feels really good and it's like validating and and humbling and you know um, I don't know <laughs> it's not the answer you're looking for is though what do you want to help me out here
1: <laughs> No no no, that's that that's cool, yeah. that's fine, so if we want to direct people towards. Specific site to keep up to date with Once Human. Where do you want people to go?
2: Uh, it would be right now the main place for all of our activity online is our Facebook. So it's just Facebook slash Once Human, or is it Once Human? It's just Facebook slash Once Human. You can find it there. Instagram Once Human. Kind uh, of get a dot com up, I, it's just to get like a store going. But yeah, it's all about. Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. We've got four pieces of content up there. There's, uh, two lyric videos and there's a cool EPK that Lauren and I did. We talk about making a record and that's pretty fun to watch that. And then there's a teaser up for our new video that's called you can it's one of the songs on our album. Uh, the video is going to be released on August 6th and, uh, Everyone needs to check it out because it's amazing. Lauren, our singer, wrote and directed it, and she just killed it. It's like, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a really good video. I think it's going to get a lot of hits and a lot of attention, and it's a great introduction to this band um, creatively and um, as, a, as a glimpse of what we are live. The video's got a lot of narrative and some good acting and a cool, a really cool story and a great look. So I'm very happy about the way that turned out. And it's nice to have a such a talented, you know, director slash writer slash editor. Uh, she didn't edit this video, but she just she did a little bit of it and she is an editor as well. But it's nice to have that right in house. She's also designing a lot of our artwork and our logos and stuff. of the painter. It's just this girl has got many skills, my singer. So, um, yeah, come check it out. Hey, Logan Mader here from Once Human. You're listening to Mars Attacks.
1: Bit of terminal there that is once human coming off of the life I remember. Check that album out when it does drop on September 4th. It is a really, really good album, in my opinion. I would say one of the best things that I've heard this year. Again, not just blowing smoke up anyone's ass there. I really enjoy what I heard on the album and uh, want or hope. I should say you guys to check that out. Want to thank Logan for coming on the show. Also want to thank Amy from Adam Splitter PR for setting all of that up. And uh was a big thrill to speak to him. I know that where I am in the world, I mean that first Machine Head album that he was a part of I mean, honestly, Machine Head, Vulgar Display of Power, and probably Roots by Sepultura have probably been the albums that have most defined at least music here in Spain for metal bands that have come out in the last 25 years or so. They, they It has more of an influence than anyone else, in my opinion. And you talk to a lot of the bands, and a lot of them will... Say the same thing, hell, you had the example at the beginning of the show with Angela Zapaterda, who's just about the biggest uh, metal band here, obviously on Century Media Music. Um, Not too many bands can lay claim to that. Touring Europe constantly, and they covered old off of that first Machine Head album, so there you go. Uh, What else? Want to play a little medication. We brought medication up. I should have played it before the interview, but what the hell, let's play it now. Let's do the track, Loaded Gun. This is off of the album Prince Valium. I really like this album when it first came out. I think a lot of people may have dumped on it just because, once again, uh, Woodfield Crane was a part of it, and people want to associate him with hair metal or whatever, and that's really not... I mean, I, I would say that hair metal was done by the time Ugly Kid Joe came about, so... There you go, let's let's play the lead-off track from Prince Valium. Once again, this is medication with loaded gun. There you go. A Little Medication, once again, was um, interesting, I guess. uh, You know, it was a tough time in Logan's life to discuss that any further. I know our good friend Aaron Camaro from Despo Geek Podcast, who is all things uh, Whitfield Crane, will get a kick out of hearing that story. Um, Also wondered, when I listened to this album... If that was what Whitfield was gonna sound like, uh, had he have ever recorded with Life of Agony? Because that sounds a lot like uh, um, Mina Caputo now. Um, sounds a lot like the vocal style that at least was being used back then during those first few albums. So who knows? Uh, that could have been a glimpse into what you know, what was doing at the time and what he was intending on doing. Obviously, with Another Animal, his vocals went in a very different direction. But uh, there you go. We're going to end things with a track by Machine Head. I could do Davidian, but I'm not going to. We're going to wrap things up with the first track off of their second album, which would be Logan's final album with the band, The More Things Change, Name of the track is 10 Ton Hammer. Before we get into that track, just want to thank all of you guys for checking this episode out. Please come back and check out additional episodes of the podcast. Uh, You'll hear Logan once again in the near future on here. And uh, that's that. Uh, Thanks to Logan once again. Thanks to Amy from. Adam Splitter for setting everything up and thanks to you guys for listening Uh, see you next time right here on the Mars Attacks Podcast see ya